0: coming up on this edition of Open Source.
1: People don't understand what's involved in PR. It seems like some fluffy kind of profession, but now with digital media the proliferation of media, if you post it, you get 10,000 likes, that's great. And then I'm like, okay, but does that translate into sales? PR people have to understand digital, and digital strategists need to understand PR.
0: PR Pro Tracy Wood Mendelson next on Open Source. Welcome to Open Source. My guest today is Tracy Wood Mendelson. She is a C-level marketing executive, communications, brand management, business strategist, and nonprofit development executive. Tracy has uh, 30 years of experience in various sectors including arts and entertainment, politics, luxury goods, caviar and gourmet foods and travel. She currently serves as the president and CEO of the Black Public Relations Society in New York and she's also a principal in Human Impact Solutions with her partner Janet Dickerson. Tracy Wood Mendelson, welcome to Open Source.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well, thank you. In this strange and odd and bewildering time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a uh, there's a lot of ways to to frame that. Um, but let's let's take because people, uh, I have some pet peeves about the concept of public relations.
1: And, mm. But I want
0: to start with you first, and just because people that do it well and are, are real public relations executives are, I think, uh, apart from a crowd that's out there. So, is there a singular experience that put you on the path to becoming a, a PR professional?
1: Well, I was doing an internship when I was in college at an ad agency in the public relations department. And I got assigned to the only black vice president in the, the organization. And, and you know, I've been around a while. So this is late 70s. So, you know, that was a rare thing to find in corporate America. And, you know, um, I was excited about being mentored and excited about the account that I would be working on. And um, so I sort of, what I was studying um, I was a performer growing up and a model, and my mom really, who was a singer herself, she wanted me to pursue that. And our compromise was sort of, you know what? Okay, I'll go to school for journal- broadcast journalism and I'll become an anchor or a reporter or something. And um, the value for me of that first experience was I learned that I liked being behind the scenes and that i like to, think, to make things happen and that's really what pr you know um, offered me at the time was this way to be my most um audacious self and you know be a go getter um and see actual results um in in real time that and it had nothing to do with the way I looked. It had to do with my, you know, ingenuity and my brains, and I really lo- and and my ability to work with people and you know serve clients and what have you. So it was a great training ground. But that's how it happened. I just someone got fired, and then they made me an account. Wow,
0: accountant. that's opportunity. So was there something? No, yeah, that's that, that that not insight happen uh, anymore. <laughs> I guess you came into it kind of yeah. blindly, not knowing what it was all about, but then you got there and something struck you that said, Okay, this is for me. What was that?
1: Like I said, it was, um, it was that uh, you could, well, for me, the things that in that first placement were, you know, learning that you could help shape a story um, for your client. You could, um, you know, um, you could articulate things on behalf of a a product or a brand um, that mattered that enabled it to increase its market share. I mean, I think, you know, in in public relations and related fields, you, you get to see the impact of your work. Um, in a clear, undeniable way, you know. Um, and, and even more so in marketing because, you know, you're contributing to the bottom line. So um, when I got a taste of that, I realized, oh, okay, this is where I really want to be. So the style that I practice is integrated, you know, of marketing and communication. So, but I have, I'm blessed to have the basics of hope, po- public relations. Um, I was a le- around some legendary old school people and um, that was great training. And it's training some of, our, of my young colleagues could use.
0: At this point. Well, we're going to get to that too, Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, you know, something you said struck me and I'm, I'm thinking right now that uh, um, analytics data and analytics has become in terms of, uh, regard to marketing, uh, a big thing and it's growing in pretty much every sector. Yeah. How much has the concept of using data and analytics grown at all, if it if, if at all in the public relations now?
1: Oh, it's enormous. I mean, I think more so in marketing, but um it's it's enormous, you know, because the companies want it. The companies want the data. So as much as we can tell them about their customers, the happy they are, happier they are. So it's it's enormous, um, and and things are data driven as well. You know, so it's not that that's just the outcome. It's also, you know, the vehicle that gets you there and the collection of it. And you know, it's very complex. Um, in this world, like you know, there are some serious questions about sharing data and, and, and uh, um, privacy and all of that, and, and it's it's really, you know, those are serious questions, and I understand the it. ethics. Yeah, the ethics involved. The ethics. hmm
0: They tend in in almost every aspect of this where there's uh, something new or something that's growing rapidly like mm-hmm. this. The ethics tend to fall, come in last, come into consideration last?
1: Well, um, you know, you have to consider how data is mo- commoditized, you know, and um, and monetized. It, it, it's um, that's the driving force, you know? you know, ethics and integrity second, at least for the big companies who are the, you know, the true abusers. And um, you know, it's very disheartening to me. It's it's really like, you know, what kind of world do I live in when um, you know, I actually patronize one of the chief, you know one of the main promulgators of this 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 data corruption. You know, um it's like you can't get away from it. And um you can't believe a lot of what's said and of what they're doing because you see the opposite. I don't know. It's just, um, I understand data for certain industries being the end all and be all. I do not, I think that to, to need such granular information about consumers when you could just be creative and do your job, um, is, is, difficult for me to accept,
0: you know. Well, I think uh, we've talked about this uh, previously, um, and I, I think one of the things I want to get across to people is when they hear data collection, they just think about some, maybe a bank account information, but we're talking about, like you say granular details. And so give people an idea of the kind of insights that companies are really, even in a legitimate way, are looking for. And how the data is used, even not necessarily used uh, wrongly or used badly, but how it's used, what the, the value of the data is. Well, it's what a company's looking it's for. It's
1: used to. They're looking for um, you know trends and and patterns in buying. They're looking to you know um, leverage the information for sales to monetize the information and to keep an eye on what you're doing. I mean, I don't know if you've had the experience of, you know, doing a Google search maybe, and then you're on whatever website and what you searched for, the ad came dancing across your screen for a similar product or the product itself. So that's really what they want to be able to do kind of nonstop.
0: Well, I can give you a good example. Let's say a bank, a bank will, uh, you have a credit card with a bank. And so you buy some drywall and some screws and nails and uh, putty from Home Depot. And so then the bank says, well, Tracy, you looks like you've just uh, spent $1,500 at Home Depot. Maybe you need a home improvement loan for, you know, X amount of dollars. Be- and because they, have, they know where you shop, they know what you bought. They can use that information to, And maybe, maybe Tracy can't really afford that loan that they're offering her because Tracy knows her financial situation better than the bank does. And the banks, exactly, the bank wants to just loan you money because it's a business transaction for them, but it's not necessarily in the customer's best interest. And people are influenced by that kind of suggestion. Maybe someone would even think if my bank, Suggested I take this loan; it must be okay, and not really give consideration to their financial situation.
1: Wow, I think that that does happen a lot, and I also think there are other, there are more sinister aspects to this as well. You know, um, there was a situation where a woman was in serious emotional distress, and, and the cops were called, and she made some comments um, online um, on her Facebook account. And Facebook is there's a, a portal for police in Facebook and they made it available, they let it in and they shut off her ability to communicate with others and that woman died. Her name was Carlyn Gaines. Um, um you know, it shouldn't have happened. She had um She was in a a mental
0: health crisis. That's just tragic. Um, Let's let's. I want to move ahead a little bit because we don't have a lot of time, and I I appreciate you being with us on Open Source. Um, Now, in my experience, because I was a television and radio producer for a long time, everybody thinks they can do their own PR, and I think (laughs) you laugh, but it's true. You know, it's true. What do? What's your perspective as a professional?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: when you see people, is it as bad as somebody trying to be their own lawyer?
1: Almost. I mean, I know a young woman who launched a successful business, and then she launched these workshops where do-it-yourself PR—you don't need to hire a publicist. I'm knowing some. PR skills and you have a new business and you can't do it, you know, you can't hire someone, um, you know, can be helpful. There are some things you could do, you know, you're smart, you can write a press release, you can figure out how to do that. But a lot of people don't even know is we don't even use press releases as much as we used to. It's like the pitch letter. It's, you know, the, the story conference. Um, but anyway, um, one of the things that I find that people don't understand is like, you can't negotiate a story or like, say you're an artist, like, you know, negotiating your contract with the record company and trying to get all your, you know, the writers in your contract. You need someone to do that. You need someone who knows how to do that. And it's the same thing. You know, stories just don't happen because you send a press release, the, The public relations person has to, you know, go over, um, you know, why they have to pitch an angle. We pitch, you know, um, even in digital outlets, you know, there's a certain amount of pitching. Um, So I'm not saying it's impossible, but to do it best and to do it right. And it's not just getting publicity. Public relations is all your public facing activity and your reputation, and all of that. And you need to have strategic thought behind it. I mean, if someone goes to school for, you know, communications or public relations, they probably could do their own PR. I have had to be my own publicist because I'm also an entrepreneur. Um, so, Um. yeah. I think that people tend to think the marketing functions and the p r functions, oh, anybody can do that, but it's not true you know you need to there is there are there are skills involved there's science involved to you know um social science you know behavioral science and how what people respond to um there are standards you know so unless you're going to super educate yourself and and know what you're doing just just don't google you know the format of a press release and step out trying to do it but i'm not saying that one that that it's impossible well i
0: think you, you, what you mentioned too is there's there's a, strategies and there's also tactics and i think you can mm-hmm. understand the strategies but someone that's skilled like yourself understands the tactical aspects too what to do what to say what to pitch and how to pitch at a certain time in a certain circumstance where an untrained person, an inexperienced person is not going to understand that level of tactical insight.
1: Well, the other thing is that most PR people, especially if they specialize um, in a given practice area, we consume a lot of media. We know what this or that writer is writing about. We know what the editorial calendars are. Um, we know what this producer is looking at. We know that Joy Reed has uh, a special um, affinity for um, voting rights. Um, it's an issue of hers, a passion of hers. So we were able to get our, our client's film, a documentary film about voting rights on AM Joy. And um, because it was a good product, because it was fit into what was going on. And um um so it was a great get for us, but you have to know what you're doing. You have to know who the writers are, you have to you know, I mean my business partner asked me to write a pitch for this, you know, she she was overwhelmed and I said, What can I do? And she said, Can you write a pitch to this writer at the Washington Post? All of them were familiar with that writer, even though I'm I do a lot of work in social justice and that was this writer's concentration. So I read everything of hers that I could that was on the website before I wrote the letter because I just looked at the points that she covered in her story. So I, I tailored the let the pitch letter so that it would resonate with her. And I looked at the stuff that she covered before and we were aligned. You know, what we were pitching to her was aligned with that. So it's it's more than just a contact name, you know, of where to send it to. And reporters don't pick up their phones anymore. They don't even publish their emails anymore. They have their Twitter handle <laughs> under their byline. <laughs> it's an insane thing. But um, for an old school person like me, it's like terrifying. Like, oh my God, you know, I need, I mean, senior New York Times reporters would pick up their own phones, you know. Lester Holt on it. NBC still picks up his own phone.
0: That's funny. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you catch it in his office, that. yeah. <laughs>
0: Lester Holt will answer his own phone. Yeah, because that is that's <laughs> that's unusual nowadays. In fact, even publishing a well, phone. Well, I just happen is, to know the main unusual. number to NBC.
1: I've known it for twenty five years, so <laughs> I know the number to the New York Times. I've known it for twenty five years or more. So, um, yeah. Uh but you have to know who you're, it's just different. Um, There's still some old school journalists who you can, you know, and then, you know, when you build media relations as a, as a publicist, you know, you do establish relationships with publicists and you, you know, sometimes um, you're socializing with them, you know, quasi socializing because it's an industry, something or other. Um, But You know, it still is about cultivation of relationship. It's not just showing up on on social media and you follow someone. So, you know, there's a lot of um, skill and part of that skill are social skills and, um, you know, interpersonal skills and, um, you know, follow through and um being ethical um you know don't tell the, knowingly tell a, a, a journalist or an editor or a producer
0: something that isn't true well that's a 100% no no i mean uh being being untruthful is pretty much uh when i was a producer the the biggest challenge i had in public broadcasting because mm-hmm. people come at you all the time is mm-hmm. is this information legitimate and the the just the notion that someone might be lying to me was just, I was done at that point. I, Cause I don't have time to, to figure it out. And if I think this person is, is not telling the truth, they're not going to get on. Yeah. I'm it's
1: like, we tried to explain to, to a client recently, um, they'd written an op-ed and there was a publisher involved because they'd published a book. And so there was a PR person at the publisher and then we are an independent PR firm representing the author and um, there was a lot of nonsense. Anyway, um, she was there was the practice that what we don't practice is we don't send down an op ed to more than one editor at a time because it's just bad form. Because say you get two acceptances. And then you've got to tell one of those editors, oh, sorry, I'm going across the street. i got a better offer. Yeah.
0: That's a night- That's a nightmare. That's a, and, it's a, and it exactly, makes you look but unprofessional.
1: The, you know, too. there are people who do practice like that, and there are people who ask you to do that, and it's just like, no, we're not doing that. So, you know, that's to protect. I mean, a publicist has to protect their client's reputation. They have to protect their own. You know, uh, or they won't have contacts or they won't have opportunities because, you know, if you're if you're known to be unreliable or otherwise sketchy, um, you know, that follows you, you know, and your sources will dry up and, you know, you won't be able to deliver for your And then there's lots of between that and excellence, there's tons of mediocrity.
0: Right. I think I think uh, from the the, the opposite end of that telescope, I think as a producer, uh, it's it's valuable to know when I call Tracy or when Tracy calls me, um, I know that she's ethical. I know that she's professional. I can rely on her. So in producers, especially now in this landscape, are always in a pinch. And so if I call Tracy and say, do you have somebody that can speak on this issue? and you suggest something, I can rely on that. And that's important.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if it doesn't work out, that's one thing, but you know that the person is going to, you know, get in there and pitch or try to make the contact and, you know, whatever, whatever needs to be done. And, you know, that's just, you know, good collegial operations. Um, So I think that, people don't understand what's involved in PR. It seems like some, you know, fluffy kind of profession, but, you know, now with the digital media and the proliferation of media um, and social media, um, a lot of people think, you know, if you post it and you get 10,000 likes, that's great. And then I'm like, okay, but does that translate into sales? You know, what is, what are we talking about here? And so you have to, um, PR people have to understand digital um, and digital strategists need to understand PR and you're not across purposes. You should be in lockstep with one another. Um,
0: we got, we've got about two minutes real uh-huh. quick. I'm wondering what is it that people need to know about digital that they don't know right now? I need to understand
1: about digital. <clears throat> Well, um, it you can um, you can spend a comparatively modest amount of money on digital advertising and realize the result, but it has to be targeted and calibrated and well thought out and professionally, you know, strategized. Um, and um, there are just a lot of things that you can do to build content inexpensively. Um, and if you're trying to build your brand, you need content and you can create your own. You don't have to wait for them to review you on some TV show or in a newspaper. You can start to create your own content and tell your own story with digital.
0: That's, that's, uh, I guess the the greatest benefit. And the last thing before we go. Mm -hmm. um, black public relations society of New York. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Tell me about that. And, and sure.
1: Well, it's, um, we're an independent affiliate of the national black public relations society. And which was founded by a woman named Pat Tobin in California. long ago. There's an active chapter in Detroit. Um, and, um, we're a legacy organization. I took over the presidency about a year and a half ago. And, um, well, two years now. And, um, you know, the organization previously like Terry Williams, who's probably the most famous black publicist Very <laughs> famous. Um, was the past president. And so I just didn't want to see the organization go, uh, away and it's a professional organization that offers professional development Um, We also advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I like to call it a knowledge resource and opportunity network. And, um, you know, we have, uh, student members. We have, um, in, you know, people who own their own, you know, consultancies or small boutique agencies. We have, um, partnerships with, you know, bigger agencies and we have, um, students. And um, I have recruited a board of directors, which is very, most of them are very, are young. It's it's their first time on a board. But I I wanted to build this, org- rebuild this organization for posterity so that nobody comes in after me. And, and you know, there are other organizations like Color Calm and, and what have you. And they're saying, well, Color Calm is the future and Black Public Relations Society is the past. I said, who says? Yeah, you know? <laughs> so we right, we can right, serve right. a purpose here because ColorCom serves services only women, but they did develop a male component to the organization, and they're a for-profit. We're a nonprofit, so um, you know I, we can coexist. And 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 I'm actually a member of ColorCom, um, but we offer also a, a focus on the independent entrepreneurial practitioner, which. Oh, you know the Public Relations Society of America, the big, huge, you know, um, general market counterpart part to us. You know, doesn't really, um, and it's, they have diversity issues. So there's also a Hispanic Public Relations Association. You get my drift. We, you know, anybody who wants to see diversity wants to see their people. You know, they're <laughs> they're stepping out and you know trying to make that happen and. And I think like, um, the problem is, um, we have to have, we have to start having better results at the agencies. Um, but with this latest, um, shared, um, tragedy that we're going through, you know, there are going to be a lot of layoffs and just like any other industry and, um, so it's, And
0: blacks will be first a lot, too, in that.
1: Yes, that has hap- that has happened to members of mine. But one of the things, like, if people are interested in public relations and watching effective communications, watch how people communicate about coronavirus, um, because, you know, some people are just feel, okay, we have to say something about it. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you have to, you know, do a virtual Easter egg hunt for your you know, constituents, you know, acknowledging that we're all, you know, at home, um, but, you know, kids still need something, but you are not an expert on public health, and your organization is not, but you have a service or whatever that's going to continue to provide them with what they need, and that's what people are going to remember, um, who was um, engaged with the community? Um, during this, and those are the brands they'll remember. Um, right.
0: And it's never it's never bad PR to leverage your core competency to uplift the community.
1: Absolutely not, especially when it comes to our people. Um, we care about that for real, and millennials do in general, and multicultural millennials do in particular. So, um, how do
0: we? How, how do you see this as we as we uh, hopefully soon? this year come out of this pandemic, this lockdown, what will be the trend? What, what, what kind of trends do you expect at that time?
1: I think it'll be similar to the time after nine 11, when advertising just stayed kind of sober and modest for a while. Um, not a lot of ostentation and bells and whistles, perhaps more, more, um, grassroots kind of messaging and, and um, brands wanting to show themselves as part of the community and part of your life in a, in a way you know that is meant to engender affection um, the stories that you'll hear being told for instance with nonprofits will be about the grantees you know that receive their money not just the nonprofit and what a great job they do um And the same with you know, people are going to tell more worker stories because, you know, out of all of this, the American worker is going to be feeling a little bruised. And, uh, you know, so they're going to want to do that to burnish their image. So those are a couple of things that come to mind.
0: Well, Tracy, I I really appreciate you uh, visiting with us, spending some time on open source and Our guest has been Tracy Wood uh, Mendelson, a PR guru, and we really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much. I
1: appreciate you having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you, and and thank you for what you do.
0: All right. Thank you, Tracy. This has been Open Source with Tony Motley, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.